This episode of the Enhancement Talent Podcast is brought to you by Jerry Lawler's Puppy Emporium. If you're looking for a kid-friendly, one-stop shop for the cutest puppies this side of Andy Kaufman's gravesite, then come on down at Jerry Lawler's Puppy Emporium. And please, we must again specify that this store sells actual puppy dogs. It does not book private shows for bachelor parties or is looking to hire dancers. Please direct those calls to Jerry Lawler's Puppy Peep Show Playhouse. Jerry Lawler's Puppy Emporium. It's the one with dogs, not boobs. A great finishing move can instantly get you over with the crowd. A bad finishing move can make the crowd wish that you never entered the ring. Join us this week on the Enhancement Talent Podcast as we give you our picks for the top 10 worst finishers of all time. All right. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Enhancement Talent Podcast. I'm your host, the man in the rafters, the one they call Tony Lopez. Joining me, as always, the other half of the fabulous Lopez cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez. How you doing, Bob? doing great sir how about yourself doing all right how's your week how's your week been it's going all right been busy been working yeah about it but everything's good how about you everything yeah same same here same here it's been a crazy week for a lot of people but uh starting to settle down now and hopefully you know things will be uh a little bit more settled but um yeah everything's going all right how about uh how Oh, before I go into that, also joining us, as always, from beautiful Island Lake, Illinois, the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kulavik. How you doing, Adam? Doing great. How are you guys today? Doing great, man. Doing great. Doing good. Doing How's good. your week going? Good. I enjoyed the first uh, football game ever broadcast on Nickelodeon. That was, <laughs> that was tremendously entertaining. I, I love the F-bomb that they dropped on there. That that was yeah. great, and the the slime in the end zone kind of takes the sting out of uh, having a half ass defense that Chuck Pagano ruined, and uh, and all that good stuff. So yeah, yeah. and uh, everybody look out for uh, what was his name Lex something. I kept calling him Lex Luger, the sideline kid. It was like oh, Lex one mark or something. <laughs> like yeah. might as well have gotten Lex Luger. He's work. Yeah, just like Bob said, they dropped an F bomb on Nickelodeon. Leave it, leave it to a Bears game for the first Cordero Patterson. Fuck, he's like, fuck yeah, that. The... <laughs> leave it to the Bears for the first fuck to be dropped on Nickelodeon. That's not the only thing that was dropped today. So, oh <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Best ball the dude throws all year, and it goes right through the guy's hands. You could just slap him, you know. <laughs> All right, enough enough about the Bears and their eight and eight, one and out playoff crap. Let's get to the task at hand. Let's uh, all right. So this week on the enhancement talent, we uh, thought that you know, in an earlier episode, we uh, we did an episode about the best finishing moves of all time. So we're gonna we're gonna you know flip the coin on that and we're gonna go through our top 10 
worst finishers of all time this week. Um, you know, if, well, when I think worst finishers, I always think of a, of a move that when you see it, you're just kind of dumbfounded that this is the move that this wrestler has chosen to represent himself <laughs> as, as a professional wrestler. Cause as we know, you know, finishing moves are, you know, aside from like your, your mic work and just, you know, your look as a whole, the finishing move is kind of what defines you as a wrestler. It's what everybody kind of remember, remembers you for, you know, and you kind of have to be smart when you come to doing a finisher and these picks that, that we've picked, man, these are, <laughs> wow. <laughs> we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll explain it to you guys. Um, Bob, when, when you think of a bad finisher, all right, just a, just a finisher that you just kind of look at and just be like, man, that's friggin' horrible. Like what's something that kind of pops in your head when you see, you know, a guy get pinned from a move that you're just kind of like, wow, that, that really, that that's what puts you out for the three count. There's a, there's a lot of those that popped up on my list along with a lot of them that got cut sadly. But when, when we did our earlier version of the, the best finish move, you wanted something with believability, something that, you know, the crowd could get into that. You could do this move, this devastating move to any person on the roster and it, it would pin them no matter what. And then when we get like we, we talked about how sometimes the fans, that's why they pay their money. They want to come see the finishing move. It's like a like a walk off home run or a Hail Mary, you know, at the end of the game, something exciting that they're into. And then you have the least favorite moves that we're doing today, um, which is just. Some of them can be as basic as a simple kick or a simple clothesline or sim- something simplistic like that that is done in every single wrestling match that you see today. And these people use that as their finisher. And it's just like, wow, for real? Like <laughs> some of them are moves that are drawn out 10, 20 seconds long. And you're like, okay, is this really going to make this wrestler lose the match because you're taking 15 20 minutes like just to set up a move itself it's just it's just not, not 20 minutes but uh, 20 seconds but it's just something like that that makes it like well these are really bad and that's why i put them on my list yeah how about you adam what what pops into your mind when you see a really piss poor finishing move i think of two key components uh the first word i would use is underwhelming uh Again, you see it, and they're like, "That's it." I mean, you know, you 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 watch a show uh, or a pay per view, and you and you see all these fantastic, crazy moves, and then somebody just walks in, and and you're like, "Really? That's all you got? This is this is how you finish people off?" So uh, that that would be the first component for me, uh, just basic and boring, and uh, to steal a phrase from from you, Tony, uh, vanilla as fuck, just like you know. Okay, <laughs> and uh, the, the second thing uh, which Bob just alluded to to me uh, would be lacking excitement. Like somebody does the move, you know, when uh, you know, just just for example of a of a finisher that gets the crowd excited. That that first uh, Stone Cold Stunner that Steve Austin did to Vince McMahon, I believe, those at Madison Square Garden, and the roof blew off the place, or. Goldberg spearing Hulk Hogan in the Georgia Dome and and uh, forty thousand people the, the coming unglued at seeing something you know the crowd is just 
crazy. And then you see uh, one of these moves we're going to talk about shortly, and you go and and you can hear people coughing or maybe even a random fart coming from the audience because <laughs> or the wrestler, right, or the wrestler itself, or the wrestler. yeah, right. So uh, yeah, it just uh, yeah to me the two key phrases would be underwhelming and lacking excitement. Just like the crowd is like, who gives a shit when it's done? Yeah. Doesn't add yeah. anything to the match at all. And that's, you know, when, when a finisher doesn't add anything to the match, whew, yeah, that's, that's bad news. Yeah. Cause there's some, you know, doing the list, it was a little harder for me than I thought. Cause you know, there's some, there are some basic moves that were on my list and I ultimately took them off. Cause even though they were basic and not like crazy, you know, like a van terminator or something, you know, they were, they were basic, you know, they still like get people excited and, and 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 at the edge of their seats and and the dead like bob said that's that's what you paid to see so so that's kind of what my criteria was it was just okay uh again just doesn't add anything no ex- little to no excitement coming from the crowd nice all right well we're gonna you know without further ado we're gonna get into our list we're gonna use the uh the new voting method that we uh used last week uh according to bob you know, he's been getting some good feedback on it. Um, so what we did was, you know, like we did last week, myself, Bob, and Adam compiled our own lists, and we uh, put them all together, and through a point system, we have come up with a master top 10 list for the show, and that's what we're going to be uh, going with today. Um, also, you know, as we do every week we also have some honorable mentions we'll have five picks that uh couldn't quite make the list um they just didn't have the points to do it but they had enough points to uh garner some mention um i will say going into this though guys there were some ties so you know our our picks were a little bit you know there were some that we that we of course had in common and they did garner a lot of points, but this topic in particular, you know, there were a lot of lone, uh, you know, picks that were just on one of ours lists and that's kind of contributed to, uh, some, some ties in there. Uh, what I did, um, you know, when it comes to the top 10, um, we didn't have any tiebreakers. So if they had the same amount of points, I put them in as a tie. When it came to the honorable mentions, there were just too many. So I had to do tiebreakers when it came to the honorable mentions. But um, I think we, you know, I'm looking at the list now, and this is going to be a damn entertaining list to go through. So uh, without further ado, let's let's start it off. Um, at number 10, uh, with five and a half points, it's a finishing move um, that, me and Adam both had on our list, but we had it attributed to different wrestlers. But since it's the same goddamn move, you know, it, it, it has its own mark in there. Um, I attributed mine to Bruno San Martino. Adam attributed his to Hillbilly Jim. I'm talking about the bear, the bear hug. The bear hug is number 10. Um, I had Bruno's bear hug at number six on my list. Adam had uh, Hillbilly Jim's as an honorable mention that came out to five and a half points. So, yeah, 
the bear hug is number 10 adam when uh <laughs> when you when you see a bear hug used as a finisher what's your what's your initial thoughts i'm bored off my ass what's the next match gonna be <laughs> um i'm sure he's a wonderful guy he was over uh pretty good in the rock and wrestling era the early hogan era uh, when Hogan first was champion in the face, one of his biggest allies was Hillbilly Jim. Again, I'm sure he's a nice guy. He worked, uh, you know, I think he worked behind the scenes quite a bit after his career ended, but I always couldn't thought he was, I, I didn't hate Hillbilly Jim. I just thought he was such a dweeb and just, you know, to me, it's like, again, you know, if anyone's been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, they know I am not a fan of wrestlers who dance in the ring. And him square dancing with Mike McGurk is not something I need to see in a wrestling match. Um, so the whole presentation annoyed me to begin with. And then, I mean, the cherry on the Sunday was just, was just a, a bear hug, obviously, in case people aren't sure of what we're talking about uh, you're basically hugging somebody but you're squeezing the the breath out of them quote unquote and you're kind of moving from side to side and it just it, it kind of reminds me of when the joker dances with vicky vale in in the in the uh in the chapel tower at, at the end of batman with the tim burton batman uh, it's just it's awkward it's it's it, it, it just it's Again, it doesn't add anything. It just looks weird, and 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 uh, I mean, really, you're hugging somebody. Usually, when you hug somebody, it doesn't hurt. Uh, and even if it does, you know, you're like, "Hey, get off me!" You know, it, it's just uh, again, just it's dumb. I, I, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't yeah. think of anything else. It's just it's it, it's a snooze fest. You know, a lot of times wrestlers will use what they call the you know the cool down where they do like a rear chin lock for two minutes and everybody catches their breath that's what it is yeah rest hold yeah, yeah rest hold it's it's like a, uh a, a rest hold on steroids that that's the best yeah. way i can classify it and it's just bores me to tears so yeah. that's that's my that's my tutorial on the bear hug it just shows you you know how far wrestling's progressed just within the last 40 years or so where you had guys like Bruno San Martino, who was the face of WWF yes. back in the seventies. He was champ for all those years and his finishing move was a goddamn bear hug, mm -hmm. you know? And now, like you said, a bear hug isn't even used anymore, but even when it was used now, especially more modern wise, it's a rest hold, you know, it's not a finisher. It's a, it's a damn rest hold. So, yeah, it's for anybody to try and, you know, make a rest hold their finisher. Yeah, it, it definitely <laughs> deserves to be on the list. So, yeah, number 10, folks, the bear hug. Let's move to number nine. Uh, there's a tie at number nine. Uh, we First, we have, this was on Bob's list, John Cena's lightning fists is number nine and it's tied with one that was on my list the ultimate warriors warrior splash um these were e you know lightning fist was number five on bob's list the warrior splash was number five on mine for six points each bob since it was only on your list Tell us why you hate john cena's lightning fists so much <laughs> have you seen it 
Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> That's why I hate it. <laughs> um, so I think he, he busted it out at the uh, what was it the the showdown show that they had. Um, Kevin Owens and Elias against John Cena, Bobby Lashley, and Cena did this interview right before hyping up this new finishing move that he was going to do. Uh, the lightning fist, as he was calling it. It has some other kind of name to it, but I can't pronounce it, so I didn't want to call it that. But uh, what he does is is he he does he crosses his arms across his chest, kind of like the Wakanda Forever salute, and uh, he yells something out, and then he rushes towards you, and with his right arm hits you on the side of your face with the back of his hand, and that's the lightning fist finishing move. Um, I saw it. I, I remember that now. <laughs> I saw it. I said, what the fuck is that? Um, again, you just mentioned Bruno San Martino with the bear hook. John Cena has been like the face of wrestling for like the last 15, 20, like 15 years, probably in, in the WWE. About 15 years. Yeah. So for him to have that as his new finisher, it was just like, for real. I mean, I was never a huge fan of the attitude adjustment or the FU or whatever else, some other moves that he did, but to do that one and, and just be such a big name in the company, like about what you're going to talk about with the warrior splash too. When I saw that move, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. And the fact that he, he pinned the guy afterwards and everybody marked out because of it, the announcers and everything in the crowd did. I was like, no, that's horrible. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to see it anymore. Cause he really doesn't wrestle much, much anymore, but yeah it, was, yeah, it was a very bad move. I wonder why he got away from the attitude adjustment. Is it like, cause he's getting older. It's just a movie can't do anymore and he just or did he just think that you know this would inject new blood into his uh career i, I think new blood I, into I career because like he, he was hyping it up calling it the sixth move move of doom because they say he's only got five moves so yeah he was hyping this as a sixth one and uh, just to get some kind of excitement into his wrestling skills still but it was bad yeah definitely well it goes hand in hand with my uh also number nine pick the warrior splash. Um, yeah. You, you look at the ultimate warrior guy, like the ultimate warrior, you know, guy who's, you know, Jack to the gills, colorful presentation. He's got the tassels, the neon, you know, whatever you would think a guy that big would have a kind of devastating finishing move, but what he does is he, he picks you up in a gorilla press, you know, which is impressive, I guess. But he just drops you straight down, runs to the ropes, comes back, and then just jumps on you. That that's it. That that's his finishing move. It's a it's you know not off the top rope. You know he he doesn't like do a springboard, nothing like that. He just runs and falls right on top of you. It's when I saw Hulk Hogan job to that at the end of uh, of WrestleMania, was a six, right? Um, yeah, WrestleMania six. I hated that move. Honestly, I was never a fan of the Ultimate Warrior splash to begin with. I, it would just, it just looked stupid to me. But then I was like, wait, Hogan's actually going to lose to that move? You know, granted, Hogan had to make it look good, and he like tried to kick out like right at the end. But even still, it. It's just, it it 
it's a move that doesn't look like it's going to do really any damage. It looks like more of a signature move Mm -hmm. than an actual finisher, you know, something to set up a more devastating move, but you know, maybe it was for the best considering, you know, what everybody says about the warrior that he couldn't wrestle for shit. So if he tried to do something, you know, more intense, he would probably have killed somebody. So yeah. Warrior splash. Adam, do you have any opinions of uh, either the lightning fists or the warrior splash? Well, everyone knows that a huge mark for John Cena I am in the first place. So um, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that, that, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that, yeah, I, I, I give him his due for calling it the sixth move of doom though. That's, that, that's very, uh, that's very clever. Um, I mean, again, I know he's a lot of people like him. He's just not my cup of tea. But I mean, I I I can understand, you know, his place in the business. So, um, so, but yeah, that was just awful. That it reminds me of when Roddy Piper kind of used to do some punches. He'd hold he'd hold uh, his fist on one side of his head and he'd do these jabs, and that looked absolutely stupid too. So, kind of reminds me of that. Uh, the warrior splash, I kind of considered that, but, uh, the warrior was just like, kind of, his whole thing was just, you know, come in the ring, beat the shit out of the guy for five minutes and the match is over. So to me, I mean, it it happens so fast most of the time that, that it's, it was just kind of an afterthought. It was just, it was like, basically his whole shtick was, it was like he he runs to the ring, you get hit with the speeding train and the match is over. So um, he did get a lot of excitement and pops for it in this time. So that's why I left it off the list, but yes, it is very simplistic. Um, and yeah, I, I get what you're saying about jumping off the top rope, but we can't all be super fly Jimmy snook or Snoop dog when we come off the top rope. So <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, we made it like the warrior, obviously, like you said, what was built and jacked and, and, you know, but if, if it would have been the splash done by like a Mabel or Yokozuna, a bigger guy, right. it would have been more of a vicious move. And you would have been like, oh, you know, because it would have been more believable, yeah. you know, earthquake running mm-hmm. down at you and splashing on you. You would have been like, oh, shit. But, you know, for someone as big and as popular and as over as the warrior, like you said, he could have done any move and you would have been like, oh, you know, but no, he did the splash. And that was it, you know, but yeah. Yeah, like you know, a guy like Mark Henry who used to do the yeah, splash yeah. every now and then. Yeah, yeah, but a guy like the Warrior, no, it just doesn't yeah. work. All right, well, let's move on to our number eight. Number eight is another tie here. Um, the first one, I don't think it ever got a like a honest to god name. But it earned a name on the internet due to a call during the match. It's referred to on the internet as the trip to the bat cave. <laughs> um, that is the, uh, the finishing move of one bastion booger. Um, <laughs> I like yeah. that. I called it better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam, Adam had the whole thing just kind of descriptive on his list, but uh, Bob called it what the internet calls it, which is the trip to the bat cave. No, it's actually called um, one of Bob the- had it at, huh? During one of the matches, that's what they call it. What was that? Uh, Jim Ross announced one of his matches back in the day, him and Gorilla Monsoon, and he calls it, Jim Ross calls it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I heard. I mean, I saw the match where it was, and he's like, "Oh, there's another trip to the back." But it seemed like it was like, "Why would they call it that, though?" It does. It doesn't. It. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But it was uh, number six on Bob's list, number nine on Adams. Total of seven points. The trip to the Batcave, um, and then it's tied with one from my list. It was number four on my list. The WMD from the Big Show. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go into that later, but let's talk about the trip to the Batcave. Um, Bob, since it was high ranking on your list, number six, uh, let us know your thoughts about the trip to the Batcave. <laughs> I thought it was uh, pretty disturbing when you watch the videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if uh, for those of you who do not recall uh, a popular wrestler is Bastion Booger. He was an obese man. Um who uh, just, I don't know what else to describe him as, but what he would do is he would knock you down, you would lay on the ground, and he would stand above you while you were on the ground, and he'd shake his torso back and forth and then drop his knees down where his crotch would land on top of your face. (laughs) Supposedly you're Mm -hmm. not, but it was more on your face. So it was pretty much, if you think about it, a, a kneeling, like, ass drop to your face. And he would just sit there while they counted the one, two, three. And just to have dudes crotch right up all up in your face as your finishing move. Um, yeah, like I said, just watching the videos of that disturbing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's why I, I had to put it out there because it was a horrible move. But at the same time, it's just like, wow. You know, yeah, I, I'm glad yeah. we didn't get to do it to many of a good wrestler. But, uh, you know. I'm sure if you were a jobber back in that day and you saw your name up against Bastion Booger, you were probably like, fuck my life, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Adam, how about your thoughts on uh, the trip Uh, to the back cave? uh, Disturbing uh, is, is, I couldn't come up with a better word than that. Uh, I, I had a friend that actually played it frame by frame once when we were watching Survivor Series and I apologize for whatever I did to have to endure that hell and misery when he did that. Um, I think I've told the story on the show before. Uh, I saw Bastion Booger wrestle Owen Hart at a house show Mm -hmm. in the early 90s, and my father just kept screaming for fun from the audience, sit on him, sit on him. And he did do the uh, trip to the Batcave, and all of a sudden my father wasn't screaming sit on him anymore, and he was very quiet. (laughs) And thankfully, Owen kicked out of the move and wound up winning the match. But yeah, I mean, uh, I I read I think when, when we were doing our least favorite wrestler show, I read that basically Vince was disgusted with how mm-hmm. obese Mike Shaw was, so he he dressed him in a, a scantily clad outfit just to embarrass him. It shows what a great guy Vince McMahon could be. Um, yeah, and uh, Bastion didn't last much more than a year uh, under that gimmick. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, he made his mark, uh, pardon the pun, with, with that particular move. Do you remember who the guy was at Survivor Series that he did the move to? Uh, no, I don't. Bonds? <sighs> no, I don't. It was good old Marty Janetti. <laughs> nice. Now that would explain some of Marty Janetti's past, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> his mo- his most recent actions have been due to that. I guess. Trauma. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, oh my god, Tony! Tell us about the the WMD. Tell us about what makes it on your list as uh on our number. And why it's yeah. <laughs> and why it's so bad that it's tied with the trip to the bank. <laughs> <game>. <laughs> well, the WMD, which is number four on my list, this is why it has seven points. It's a punch. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. It's nice. the big show punching somebody in the face. That's all it is. You know, honestly, if you, you know, everybody knows how devastating um, the big show's open hand slap is. You know, it damn near collapsed Kofi Kingston's chest for crying out loud. I would be okay with that being a finishing move. But just a punch to the face? Really? I mean, is it, it's like... Has the Big Show not punched anybody in the face before and it not be a finisher? It it just it it just doesn't make any kind of sense at all. It I know the Big Show is a huge guy, but you know, what happened with just, you know, the choke slam? The choke slam was fine. Stay with the choke slam. Don't just punch a dude in the face and then that's it. It just it's lazy. And yeah, that's why I had it on my list. I mean, looking back on it now, nowhere near as disturbing as the trip to the Batcave, but just as pointless, I think. So that's why it ranked so high on my list. Especially because every wrestling match has a punch to the face as part of the match. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. And I know that the Big Show has punched people in the face before without it being a, a finishing move. So, Yeah. All of a sudden, his uh, punches have become superhuman. They're weapons of mass destruction, Tony. <laughs> yes, they're WMDs. Exactly. All right. Well, let's oh, move to time. number seven, guys. Uh, number seven on our list is another tie. Yes. Okay. Ties are fun. Uh, yeah. Th- these have nine points each. The first one on my list is on my list. It was my number two. It's the people's elbow. Mm-hmm. The people's elbow is number is you know number two on my list for nine points, and also at number seven, tied with it was number two on Adam's list, also with nine points. The choke from nails. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Convict. Yep. The most electrifying move in sports entertainment, and. The choke from nails. <laughs> oh my god! All right, I'll go first with the people's elbow. Everybody's seen the people's elbow. If you've seen a rock match, he pulls it out at least once a match. It's a funny move, you know. But when he started using it as a finisher, it lost all coolness to me. It's 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 an elbow drop. Sure, he puts his own spin on it, you know, and it he puts. He put some rockiness on it and it's an, you know, whatever, but it's still, it's just an elbow drop. And he used the people's elbow to beat CM Punk and, and his like over a year championship streak. And I'm like, wow. I mean, you couldn't even give the guy the decency to finish him off with the rock bottom. He, he, he lost to the people's elbow. That's, Ooh, that's bad. That's bad. So, yeah, it, I mean, and 
it's not nearly the the first time he used it as a finishing move either. So it went from being a signature move or a setup move for the rock bottom to sometimes just whatever Vince thought it was a move to be protected and used every once in a while as a as a finishing move on certain opponents. And I just I just didn't get it. Um, and you guys have any uh, opinions on the people's elbow? Go ahead. Now. I, I get it's a very simplistic move, and I, I understand why it's on your list um, for that reason. Um, it, it's not the, especially, you know, it, as, as wrestling has evolved, uh, going back to the bear hug at the beginning, um, you know, the, the moves uh, just seem to be more and more innovative and, and crazy these days, and, and, and they try to make them look as cool as possible, and, and, and finishers really have evolved, so... I could see how it kind of looks lame. I was a mark for it when he first started doing it as a heel, though. Like, heel rock uh, could do no wrong for me. A Nation of Domination era rock. uh, 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 When he did it for the first time, I was dying. It was so funny because, again, it just went into the whole cockiness and panache he was putting out there. And, of course, uh, you know, it does get uh, or did get a great response from the crowd every time he did it. So... Um, it crossed my mind, but uh, there there are uh, worse moves in my opinion. But I can I I wouldn't argue with anybody picking it though, because again, it's it, you're right. It's I mean he doesn't even wind up his arm like Greg the Hammer before he drops the elbow. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not at all. The Hammer put some mustard on his man. Absolutely. The Rock, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, How about you, Bob? What? I like, Any I thoughts like, on the people's elbow? I like the people's elbow, especially like what, what Adam said, you know, heel rock was awesome. I like how sometimes he would just put a little bit of a spin on it. Um, there's the one where he, he does it. I forgot who they were going up against, but he does it. And he slides halfway across the ring. Might have been Rick. Uh, yeah. He slides halfway and then he does the elbow. But then there was once when he did it to Ric Flair. And in the middle of it, he stops and he starts doing the Flair strut. And then he does. Oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, to me, it's comedic. Um, I mean, some of these finishers that we put on it obviously fits the character. I felt that that fit the character for The Rock. But again, I said I saw it more as a setup move compared to The Rock Bottom because um, then The Rock also had the sharpshooter, too, for a little bit of time. But uh, I, I love me the the people's elbow. If he still busted out, I'll laugh here and there, which is good. So no, I had no issue with yeah. it. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, that was the people's elbow. Let's move over to our another the the other number seven pick, the one that was tied with it, Adam. <laughs> tell us about the choke from Nails. I can tell you unequivocally, if Vince McMahon guessed it on this podcast, it would definitely be his least favorite finishing movie. Yeah, I'll I'm sure. I'm right sure it would have been, that. yeah. Um, so uh, try to bear with me because this might take a little time. Um, basically what the choke was, was nails would, uh, reach out and put his arms around your neck and choke you till the referee said to ring the bell. If that doesn't want you, you know, if that doesn't inspire you to go out and get some popcorn or a program or, or, uh, call Ticketmaster uh, to get a ringside seat. I don't know what would, I mean, uh, nails was a guy they, they uh, I know he was in the AWA prior, but, uh, they brought, he, they brought him into the WWF to be a, uh, a rival for the big boss man. One of the you know, boss man's gimmick was he was a prison guard from Cobb County, Georgia. Uh, 
you know, prior to being a wrestler and, and uh, nails was one of his inmates and he claimed boss man treated him badly. So, uh, basically, yeah. Uh, he attacked boss man once with a nightstick, uh, his own nightstick and beat the shit out of him to get heat for the match. And then everybody saw nails wrestle. And yeah. the feud was effectively over because the guy choked, <laughs> and that was all he did. And uh, and I'm sorry, he also would look into the camera and spit out mucus and phlegm and 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 spittle all over the camera. God help the poor cameraman who was shooting that. And uh, he was a horrible, horrible wrestler. Um, so what I alluded to earlier was. Uh, Apparently Vince McMahon stiffed uh, nails on on some payment, or so he felt anyhow, and he decided to use his finishing move on Vince McMahon backstage. Uh, that kind of got him fired. Uh, so then uh, he ventured to WCW for a short period of time. And the reason I mention this is just I love wrestling crowds. Um, Sting was having a mystery opponent at Slambury, and they were hyping it up and who could the mystery opponent be i remember seeing pwi uh uh, issues the warrior was gone from wwf at that time could the could the warrior be coming to wcw to fight sting at slambury because they're former partners and gary michael capetta introduces the convict as bob mentioned earlier and the crowd met uh that uh introduction with a rousing round of bullshit bullshit (laughs) bullshit so, um, yeah, uh, that's really, that's all. I mean, uh, you choke somebody until the bell rings, really. I mean, uh, that's about as boring as I can think of, with one exception. I thought yeah. choke was an illegal move, so, like, they start counting to five, and you could get disqualified if you're choking them. Yeah, for some reason, it was that's legit right. for him. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The ref did want him spitting all over him, probably. <laughs> Oh Lord! All right. Well, let's let's move on to number six. All right, number six um, was both on Bob and Adam's lists. Yes. It was uh, number eight on Bob's list, number three on Adam's. <laughs> it is the Berserkers over the top rope throw out of the ring. Wow. Yeah. I was hoping someone else would have remembered that. I'm so happy. When we came up with the concept, that was one of the first ones that popped in my head. (laughs) How many points? 11. 11. 11 points. 11 points for number six on our list. How about you, Bob? Talk about the Berserker and his uh, over-the-top rope throw. Uh, The Berserker, I guess. Was he a Viking? I think he was a yes. Viking, correct? He was yes, he was. Yeah. John Nord was a Viking. Um, you'd wear Viking boots and and just walk around screaming hush, hush. <laughs> and uh, his his finishing move was as you mentioned, uh, the over the top throw. He would uh, come behind you and he'd lift you up, kind of like an atomic drop, where he'd lift you up from your back and grab your legs and just run and, and, and throw you over the top rope and your impact would be so hard that you'd be knocked out and uh, he'd win by count out. Um, so, okay, I, I understand the concept of that. You win by count out, but let's just say the Berserker were a challenge for a title one day. And last I checked, you could only win via pinfall or submission, not by count outs. Uh, the belt won't change that way. So it's like, he'll, he'll never be champ. Um, and yeah, it's just 
people get thrown over the ropes every day in the Royal Rumble. They would get thrown out over the ropes, you know. So it's just like, uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't see it. I didn't really understand it. Uh, I watched a few clips on it over and over just to refresh my head, and I was just like, wow, <laughs> this was bad. Um, but I had to put it on the list just because, it, like I said, when when we first thought about this concept, that was one of the first ones that popped in my head. So. I had to give props to the berserker, good old John Nord, where where props had to be given. What about you, Adam? That's right. Yeah, Adam was number three on your list. How yeah, about how about I you? Mean, uh, uh, my wife, bless her heart, was just, "What are you guys talking about tonight?" So I kind of told her, and oh, so like, what kind of moves are you putting down? And I told her this man came to the ring dressed as a Viking with boots and, and a helmet and a shield and a sword. And he would throw the guy out of the ring and the ref would count them out. And and she just looked at me like I was crazy and I can understand why. Maybe that's why, I guess that's why he was the berserker because nothing he did made any rational sense. You would, I remember you Mr. Fuji on the outside too. Yep, yep. Yep. They would communicate. And then after he'd win the match by count out, he would crisscross himself uh, back and forth on the ring ropes yelling that hush, 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 and then he would fall on his back mm-hmm. and, and look at his hand. Uh, those Hogan days, uh, those post-Hogan days are very difficult for the WWF. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, again, uh, I guess the, sh- the gimmick was he was the only wrestler who won by count-out all the time, but again, like Bob said, uh, that's not going to win you any titles. But, I, I you know, you look back at, at that era and, and you know, you had Bret Hart and you had Shawn Michaels and, and, and a few others uh, that were up and coming and, and uh, carrying the card. And then you look uh, about the bottom two thirds of the card and you just go, what the hell are they doing? And the berserker <laughs> was a, what the hell are you doing? Kind of thing. Uh, does anyone remember uh, him throwing someone off a roof on primetime wrestling? I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. No. I, I don't remember the guy's name, but they had some dweeby correspondent for a while. The guy was just a complete tool, and he would, he was a nerd. And Berserker threw him off the roof of the building at primetime wrestling, and you never saw that guy again. Nice. Did the same move off the top of yeah. the Yeah, kind of like the, the coffee to the face to the <laughs> Patriot, you know? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> just never saw him again. Yeah, th- th- yeah, that's it's it, it's a shame, but yeah, I, I just uh I don't know who thought of that one, but uh hopefully they don't work for a major wrestling company anymore. That was a stupid asinine idea. Well, you know damn well that Bill Watts had nothing to do with the Berserker. So what do you think? Yeah. Huh? What do you think about the Berserker? You guys nailed it. It's just the <laughs> stupidest shit. You know, the first time I saw, I was like, "Wait, that's it? He just throws him over the top rope? That that that's it?" <laughs> it's like, uh, how you know, if that was the case, then the guy would be the most deadly royal, you know, battle royal entrant of all time. You know? Say, was he ever in a royal rumble or a battle royal? He was, and I yeah. remember Bobby Heenan saying, "Oh, this guy's perfect for the rumble. He's he's made for this match," and he got tossed soon after. And I was, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, God yeah, bless yeah. the brain. He tried to get yeah, the talent over. Tried to mark him over. Oh, uh, ber- uh, berserker! Uh, my love for you is like a truck. Anyway, <laughs> um, I was waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Yeah, we're in the top five now. Um, 
number five was on all three of our lists, boys. Yes. It was a great, great minds think alike for all three of us. It was one of my honorable mentions. Number seven on Bob's list, number four on Adam's. Yes. It's it's the heart punch. Crushes heart punch. Eleven and a half points. Just barely eked out the berserker. All right. Adam. Damn well shit. Yeah. Adam, it was number four on your list. Tell us about Crush's Heart Punch. I was uh, reminded of Crush's Heart Punch uh, not long ago. Uh, FS1, I don't know if they still do, but they, for some reason, the sports channel FS1 ran the, I believe it was the 96 Survivor Series, mm-hmm. and Crush was in the match, and uh, I forgot who else is on his team. It's kind of irrelevant, uh, but he's in the ring with Jake, the snake Roberts. They're kind of going back and forth. Jake had just come back with his uh, uh, born again, Christian gimmick and crush literally punches Jake in the stomach. Jake doubles over. Like he got hit by a semi and crush pins him. And, uh, I happened to be text, uh, texting with my cousin saying, hey, uh, I'm watching Survivor Series 96 on FS1, and he tuned in, and I just texted. It's kind of an embarrassing way for Jake the Snake to to go out in this match, and he texts back, yeah, taking a punch from Crush, no less. Uh, yeah. You know, Crush was Crush in, I think, at least three different forms. Uh, Demolition Crush, of course, then the Happy Hawaiian uh, Kona Crush, and then uh, I think he got into some legal troubles and he came back as part of the nation of domination. And I think this was, that was the gimmick he was doing. I think he had a nose ring or something and uh, yeah, he just punched the guy in the chest and won. And uh, I suppose because that's pretty much all crush could do in the ring. It was a good move for him, but for entertaining an audience and exciting a crowd and, 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 and getting a good match, uh, not so much. So Kind of like what you said with WMD. It's a stupid punch, and everybody yeah. punches in their matches, so it's pretty stupid. You couldn't come up with anything else. So, um, yeah, that's why I was high on my list. Just simplistic, boring, and uninspired. Yeah, that's, I mean, it was. It's the same thing as the WMD, only except to the face, it's in your chest. It's, you know, uh, it's just. You're supposed to get a guy like Crush over. You know, he's a big dude. You're supposed to get him over as this kind of like monster face. And a heart punch is the best you can get. Honestly, it was a battle for me to pick which Crush move I wanted. It was either the heart punch or the cranium crush. And I I was seriously kind of yo-yoing back and forth. I wasn't going to vote for both because Crush doesn't deserve to have two friggin mentions in one show but you know i ultimately went with the heart punch because it just at least with the cranium crush you can understand why it would hurt and why somebody would submit but a punch to the chest Ooh. how about you bob well I, why did you put it at number seven like you like you said crush had many amazing finishing moves that i had to stop and think of like okay well i don't think he ever had a really good one but um, I, I remember the explanation behind it was his punch was so devastating it could stop a person's heart. And then when you're sitting there, you're like, "Well, if it stops his heart, he's gonna die." And it just, 
if he dies, then we got a whole bunch of problems going on here. So it's like, why would they explain that to the crowd? Like, oh, you know, so devastating. He could stop someone's heart. I think at that time, Mr. Perfect was doing the commentary when I heard it. And I was just like, really? Like, that's your explanation for it. It, it was bad. Uh, but it, it was his, his like Adam said, his um, jailbird background that they had. And that's why it was so devastating because he was focusing on that. So, yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, and uh, all them, all them drugs and alcohol hasn't killed Jake the Snake, but a heart <laughs> puncture is going to do it. I think. <laughs> come, on, come on, people! Believability. Uh, we said it at the beginning. Well, I don't know. Kind of ironic that a a move that you know potentially would kill Jake the Snake Roberts is done by a man who's no longer with us. So yeah, R.I.P. Crush. Your heart punch sucked. Chronic. Let's move on to number four. And you ruined demolition also. <laughs> yeah, that too. But we still love you. Uh, yeah. And he, he broke the macho man's heart. But even he was supposed to be the anyway. That was that that was the most dastardly crime of all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. How about we move to number four, guys? Number four was really high on both my list and Bob's list. With 17 points, it was number three on my list. Number two on Bob's, <laughs> it's Santino Morella's The Cobra. Oh, dear God, The Cobra. The floor is yours, dude. You know, yeah. Huh? I said the floor is yours. Yeah, the floor is mine. Yeah, I got to start with this shit first. Um, you know, I, I get it. Santino was a comic character to begin with. He was a comedic wrestler. You know, and comedic wrestlers usually don't have serious finishers. A lot of them don't have finishers at all because they very, very rarely win. But Santino, um, yeah, I'll, I'll explain the Cobra to people. Unfortunately, I'll have to explain this. Um, Santino, what he would do is he would take a sock that, you know, like a, a sock puppet of a, of a Cobra. And he would put it on, he would do this little thing with his hand, and then he would punch his opponent with the cobra. And that was his finishing move. Mm -hmm. It was a punch with a sock puppet on his hand. It, it played it for laughs. You know, I like I said, I get it. He's a comedic wrestler. He's got a comedic finisher. The thing was, it wasn't funny. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do a comedic finishing move, at least have it be funny. The Cobra was just embarrassing, and that's why I had it at number three. How about you, Bob? Why was the Cobra so so high up on your list? I didn't see like a lot of times you'll have a finishing move that kind of relates with the character, like uh, like you said, his was a comedic uh, gimmick. So I get it, but I didn't really see a Cobra having anything to do with Santino, you know, like I, I didn't understand it. Um, case in point, doink, his, his finishing move was a whoopee cushion. I get it. I understand it. Santino, the Cobra, I really never put them both together, but like you said, he put this puppet on, turn his wrist, yell Cobra, and then strike you. It was supposed to be on like the side of the, the neck, but every time he would strike you on like the top part of the shoulder, by like your collarbone and the guy would fall like a sack of potatoes and he would pin you. And it's just like, that that's what you lose to <laughs> like that's the finishing move you just lost to like the cobra uh you get punched yeah. in your collarbone like like it, it's just 
wow. You know, like you said, it's a shitty move. That's why I had it down at my number two. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the sad thing is the guy was a champion, you know, like <laughs> he won a couple belts while he was there, but it, it's just more comedic purposes. Uh, I guess the kids loved it, but as a wrestling fan and watching it, you're like, man, that move sucks. And you know, yeah. I saw a lot of highlights of Drew McIntyre jobbing to it. So I felt bad for the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The current WWF or WWE world champion job numerous times to Santino's uh, Cobra yeah. that, uh, that just tells you everything you need to know. Like you said, it was a move that a lot of the kids would pop for. I understand, but goddamn, it's, it, oh, Jesus, bad, totally bad. You know what else is bad? Our number three pick, which finished with 18 points just above the Cobra. It was on all three of our lists. Number seven on mine, number three on Bob's, number five on Adam's. The not-so-great Kali <laughs> and uh, his finishing move, which was called the Brain Chop. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it, it, it no, no clever name to it. That's basically what it was. It was just a full-on chop to your head, and that was it. You know, the big the great Kali, as big as he was, I you know, guy had massive hands. I can understand, but a chop to the head? Really? I mean, uh, Bob, it was your number three. Um, try and sell us the greatness of the brain chop. <laughs> like you said, it was a, a standing tomahawk chop to the top of your cranium, the top of your head. Um, someone as big as the great Kali, you know, you would expect. Again, the guy was massive. He was huge, really tall, and, and just wide frame. You would expect this devastating maneuver. You could even pull off a choke slam if you run, if you really wanted to. But he would do the tomahawk chop to your head. I mean, Tatanka, when he did it, at least he jumped off the top rope. And, you know, he, he had the momentum going with it. But this and and the sad thing is like he he missed half the time like he would go to strike you and like there's one where like he he brushes off the side of your head or his elbow hit your head and it's just like i, I there's one where he just drills batista with his elbow and it's just like damn <laughs> <laughs> you know but like he was getting over with this maneuver the undertaker lost to it um kane lost to it you know um he, Batista, like I said, he was just getting over with this. And it's just like, the guy was world champ. It's just like, wow. You know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I was researching it too. And I, the, the clip I saw had Randy Orton. Yeah. Into it. Orton Cena was in there too. And it's just like, yeah. Man, like how, how they job to this move. It was just sad. Eventually he, he changed it into the Kona crush, uh, vice script, like the head, uh, crush that he had too, that we talked about earlier. But, um, Again, the, the tomahawk chop was just really, really bad, and I had to put it on the list. Well, Adam, it was number five on your list. Tell us your thoughts on Kali's brain chop. Well, I uh, I wasn't watching wrestling much at that point, but I, I did kind of go through, uh, look up on the internet, bad wrestling moves, and, and that, that was one of the first ones I came across, and and for good reason. I mean, uh, I am familiar with great Kali. It's like, you know what? If you're really tall... And that's about it. I don't know if you should be a wrestler. I mean, see him, see Giant Gonzalez, see uh, Giant Silva. The list goes on. Uh, I, I, hearing uh, who had the job to this horrible move, because that's all it is. It's a chop to the head, basically. 
again, more w, WMD action, more heart punch action, more Cobra action. It's just, it's a strike to the head. And it's, you know, when you're hitting people with chairs and, and, and putting them, throwing them through tables and choke slamming and body slamming and, and throwing people in the ring posts, that's, that's what's going to finish someone off. Yeah, that, that really puts the believability factor. Uh, it, it, uh, it kicks that up a notch. Uh, it's just, it, it, it looks sloppy and it's, it's, it's just, it's boring. It's just, again, it's just looks like something you'd see in a bad Kung Fu movie. It's terrible. So yeah, it, with good reason, it should be as high as it is. Yeah. Uh, tomahawk chops, you know, who who else got over with the tomahawk chop? Was it Chief J Strongbow or, you know, it wasn't Tatanka. Tatanka had actual, had an actual move set. Well, that was, that was one of his, uh, moves at first and then he, he changed it into the setup move. And then after that, he did like the, Tatanka did like a Samoan drop for a finisher at the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess. You know, Great Kali had the uh, most deadly tomahawk chop of all time. It's won him a championship. Yes, it did. You know, like you guys said, the greatest of the greatest job to it. Oh, God. Kali, I mean, just I don't get how that guy got as over as he did. He's considering big, he could, He's big. He could, he could barely move. Seriously, like. I don't think the guy's knees even bent once. I think in any kind of match I saw him in, he was, he was a walking, just wooden plank. And that kind of explains why a tomahawk chop would be his finishing move. Cause he can't really do much else guys. So at, to be unathletic to the point where you can't even do like a choke slam or any kind of other, like stereotypical big guy move. Uh, yeah, I think Vince just tries to catch that Andre Magic, uh, you know, kind of thing. Andre is obviously one of the biggest icons in the history of of wrestling and and certainly the WWF. And, but with him, it was very psychological, and and he yeah. he used his size and he used his brain to to use his size to his advantage. Uh, and these other guys did not, and they were just tall stiffs that's really all it is and i think vince just is clamoring for, you know they always said he was looking for the next hogan when hogan went to wcw well he's still looking for the next andre and again icons are icons for a reason because yeah, and the thing is you can never have another you can't you can't never ever have another andre because andre was very much a product of his time mm -hmm. you know andre was an attraction and this was before the internet and before widespread TV, you kind of had the, you knew of Andre the Giant through like wrestling magazines and and stuff like that. He was something that was, he was almost like a folk hero, you know, like something that you heard rumors about. You can't build something like that up nowadays. It's, you know, with the internet and national TV and everything, the the mystique of it just, it's not the same. And especially when you get a guy like Kali, who just was not, he's imposing, he's big, but he's just not a wrestler. And yeah, for him, like I said, his, his finishing move fits him because he's not a wrestler and that's not a real finishing move. So yeah. 
All right. Well, we're on to our number two, guys. We're uh, getting through this list, and whew, number two's a doozy, dude. It, it really is. It's number eight on my list, number four on Bob's, and it was Adam's number one pick. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yep. With 20 points. It is Rugged Ronnie Garvin and his much-feared Garvin Stomps. Adam, I give you the floor. It was your number one pick. Tell us about the Garvin Stomps. I've been waiting for this for a week. (laughs) I first became a, a wrestling fan. I was captivated by Hulk Hogan's charisma. Uh, I was captivated by Macho Man Randy Savage's flying elbow, Ric Flair's ability to sell for anybody and, and be the most dastardly uh, hated wrestler on the planet, and just the thrill and excitement of seeing tag cream synchronicity from guys like the Rockers, the Hart Foundation, the Steiner Brothers, uh, just, uh, it just it just hit me like with a bullet, uh, just instantly hooked when i started watching wrestling then one day i i happened to tune on the superstars of wrestling saw some very boring short man with the flat top wrestling uh a jobber and the guy punched and kicked his way through the match and i'm thinking okay is this over soon because this guy's not very good at, at wrestling he just punches and kicks and does nothing else and I'm thinking, can this be over? And the guy, the the jobber's laying on the mat, and Ronnie is just stomping on the guy and stomping on the guy and stomping on the guy and stomping on the guy. And I'm like, what in God's name am I watching? And why is he constantly stomping on the guy? And then he gets <laughs> the ball, and I'm even more perplexed. I'm like, this is how you finish somebody? Again, I I just gave five or six examples of of moves and and talent and and people uh, and, and how they captivated my imagination and and uh, it, it, it just got me hooked as a fan and and all that. To, to this day, I love a well worked match. I love innovation uh, and 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 the art and the craft of professional wrestling. But Rugged Ronnie Garvin and his Garvin stomp was the first time I had to stop and go, boy, that was a bunch of Russell crap. It really, that's how you finish someone. You stomp them and you pin them. Again, this, uh, everybody stomps in every match that they're in. What was so special about Ronnie Garvin's stomps? I mean, you always had uh, the Iron Sheik with his curled boot, which was supposedly loaded with foreign objects. Uh, a little far-fetched, but uh, at least they had a story for it. Uh, what, what were Ronnie Garvin's boots made of that that stopping somebody in the submission uh, was an effective maneuver? And it was stupid, cheesy, illogical, and dumb. And I, uh, for the life of me, I don't know what was going through Jim Crockett's head or whoever made the brilliant decision that... To clown uh, to crown that clown champion when uh, he beat Ric Flair in the mid '80s before he went to WWF. Again, I'm sure he's a nice man, but uh, God, just that was my first exposure to Russell crap, and I will never forget what a asinine, ridiculous, pointless move the Garvin Stomp was. <laughs> well, let let me set the let, let me paint a picture for people who don't know what the Garvin Stomp is. 
the Garvin stomp, basically what Ronnie Garvin does is he stomps on the upper part and the lower part of each limb in a circle motion until finally stomping on a person's head. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, those are the Garvin stomps. That That's his finishing move. And Adam did a very good job in explaining why it sucked. How about you, Bob? It was number four on your list. On the network after this podcast and watch one of his matches. No, I never want to watch another Ronnie Garvin match. <laughs> Amen. No, thank you. When I, when I thought of Ronnie Garvin, the, the, the famous term that we like to use on here, the vanilla is fuck. Um, yep. Garvin is another poster child for that. Um, yeah, how, how he became so popular, how he got over. I never, I mean, I remember as a kid starting to watch when he was feuding with Valentine and, you know, when we started picking him up uh, when we were little and, and following him to home. But um, yeah, like, like you said, left arm, left chest, left stomach, left upper leg, left lower, and then doing the same thing on the other, on the other side. And then finally the jaw, it was just like, really, that's your finisher. Like to me, just the pattern alone sounded like, a Contra code, you know, the Konami code where it was just like, <laughs> memorize it if you really wanted it to. But um yeah, it, it was bad in the fact that people lost to that. Big names as well. Um yeah. It's Adam summed it up perfectly. Wrestle crap is what it was. Yeah. I feel bad for the guys who actually had the job to that move. Exactly. You're just laying yeah, you're just laying there and just like, okay, you're stomping me, you're stomping me. I have to sell each and every one of these damn things until you're done. Oh, you guys are right, man. He was vanilla as fuck. So, so, so vanilla that his hair was white. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Nothing looked rugged about him. No. Not at all. I, th- I, I think that's a brilliant uh, Vince Russo missed out on that one. You could have had uh, a vanilla his fuck on a palm match and hung a, 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 a like a, Thing of the bottle of vanilla on a pole and have uh, Terry Taylor and Ronnie Garvin go at it. Oh, that would have put asses in the seats. That would have oh, been a co-main event at Starcade. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've got to our top pick, guys, but like we do every week, let's go to our honorable mentions before we get to our top pick. Honorable mentions, just like our top ten, there are some ties in here, and it's gonna be very interesting going through these honorable mentions. Um, let's start with what would have been our number eleven, our first honorable mention, with four and a half points. It was one of Bob's honorable mentions, and it was number seven on Adam's list. It's the three-point stance from Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Let's. How about you, Bob? Talk about the three-point stance. I wanted that in my top ten, but. I, I had the, I thought the other moves were worse. Um, again, Jim Duggan would just get in a three point stance, uh, well half halfway across the ring from you, and he'd pop up and he'd yell, and he'd clothesline you, <laughs> and that was the finisher. Yep. Uh, something about his momentum at a blazing two miles per hour might have been <laughs> <laughs> so much that he knocked you out, but. It was bad, and uh, it's just, (laughs) that's why I wanted to put it on there, but I was like, no, the other ones are worse, but yeah, it's just a good old hacksaw for you. I had to put it on the list. Yeah. 
How about you, Adam? It was number seven on your list. What do you got to say about the three-point stance? Everything that Bob had to say, but the reason why it made my top ten list is because when he first came to WCW, he beat Steve Austin uh, mm-hmm. with that move in under a minute, and that pisses me off so much it had to make my top ten. There are probably... I mean, Hacksaw was a pretty popular wrestler in his day. Uh, you know, he was a upper mid carter. He was over with the fans. You know, he had the whole American gimmick and the two by four and whatnot. And he had some some semblance of charisma. He wasn't a great worker by any stretch either. But but he did get some reaction out of the crowd. But it was a stupid move. And and the two miles an hour might have been a little generous with the speed. And, uh, again, the fact that, uh, uh, that's WCW in a nutshell, everyone wants to, uh, and rightfully so shit all over Eric Bischoff for, for firing a young Steve Austin. But how about having him job to Hacksaw Jim Duggan in less than a minute when, uh, when you've defended the title against the likes of, uh, Ricky Steamboat and, and, uh, you know, a young Dustin Rhodes and et cetera, et cetera. Just, it's, it's mind boggling. So, yeah, I'd have to go into my top 10 just for that. Yeah. <laughs> First ever Royal Rumble winner right there. True yeah, that. That's right. The First Royal the first Royal Rumble winner. It's Royal Rumble season. You got you to gotta honor Jim Duggan any way we can. So we put his move as one of the worst moves of all time to honor him. Tough guy. Uh, oh. Thumbs up. All right. Number number 12, our second uh, honorable mention, what would have been number 12 on our list with three points. That's because it was Adam's number eight. We're talking about the Bushwhackers battering ram. <laughs> Adam, you were the only one who bought this up, so the floor is yours. Talk about the battering ram for us. Uh, the Bushwhackers uh, were, I, they actually started their career uh, as a, pretty bloody, uh, violent uh, heel tag team um, in various places. Uh, but they came to WWF. Uh, they were from New Zealand, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, there were two New Zealanders. They were, Again, they were there for the kids. They were there to have fun. Uh, they had a unique walk to the ring. They were silly. They were goofy. They would noogie fans in the audience. Uh, for some reason, uh, they were both bald and... One would bend over, the other bushwhacker would lick the top of the other's head. Uh, obviously, that was a different time than what we're living in now. Um, they didn't win very much, uh, but again, they were fun for the fans. But uh, their finishing move, uh, just like the Cobra was a move for the for, for the youngsters, it was just stupid. Uh, uh, I don't remember who was who, but one bushwhacker would bend over and the other one would take them in a headlock position and they would go running towards this unsuspecting jobber at, at about a mile and a half an hour and <laughs> the bushwhacker head would hit the jobber in the chest. And that was the finisher. Shockingly, the bushwhackers never won any tag team gold in, in the WWF. Um, again, just uh, when you had moves like the heart attack clothesline, the decapitation elbow, uh, to name a few, uh, you know, just a lot of great tag teams. Uh, Doomsday Device. Device, thank you. And and others, uh, it stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh, just uh, one of the stupidest tag team uh, maneuvers I can think of. And, you know, most tag teams can, you know, 
there's there's great teams and there's good teams, uh, but the Bushwhackers probably had one of the worst uh, finishing moves in the history of tag team wrestling. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to number 13 on the list. It was actually hit on by all three of us uh, for two points. It was both on my honorable mentions and Bob's honorable mentions, and it was number 10 on Adam's list. We're talking about the Sandman's White Russian Leg Sweep. Um, yeah, it was, uh, what can I say about the, the Sandman's finishing move? It was a side Russian Leg Sweep with the assist of a kendo stick. That's all it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you know, talk about like moves that are just kind of like, you know, okay, that's it. That's the epitome of what, what the Sandman's move was. You know, a side Russian leg sweep is a setup move. It's a setup move or even just like a, it's not even a setup move sometimes. Sometimes it's just a regular move in a match. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, that's what the Sandman used to put people away. You know, I, I, I really, really hurt, I guess. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like that they changed the name of it for, easy, you know, for Sandman purposes. They made it, they called it the the White Russian Lake Sweep. You know, that that's pretty clever. But, you know, it just, yeah, it, I don't know. Bad. Bob, what do you, what? I mean, do you have anything more to put on it, or is it just the fucking side Russian leg sweep? I mean, that's another one where it's just like the Sandman was just a wild character to begin with, and we knew that a lot of the times he just he just threw his body to the wind, and whatever the hell happened happened, you know, just dives and flips and jumps and whatever hell happened happened. But um, the guy was the heavyweight champion. He was a TV champion. He was a tag champion. For a guy to be that over, especially in that company, I mean, when we did our ECW list, I know he was in our top five for all of us, you know, some of us even our top three, but to have that as your finishing move and be like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's just a simple, basic, it's just like, like a clothesline. Like you said, it's, it's not, it's a little bit more advanced than a clothesline. You just, uh, you grab the guy and you fall back together. It's just like, really? That's it? Like, that's your move? Just because the kendo stick is there, that adds more emphasis to it? But no, it just it was a shit move for me. And it's just like, well, I had to put it on the list. Yeah, the Sandman deserves a better move than that. Yeah. How about you, Adam? You actually had it in your top ten. Yeah, that's, I mean, basically, yeah, you both touched on it. it it's 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 a nothing move. I, um had the Sandman been, I mean, obviously he had he had a couple cups of coffee in WCW, one cup of coffee in WCW, a second in the horrible ECW revival in WWE. Um, but had he started his career in either federation before establishing himself as the Sandman, I, I don't think we'd be talking about him as much as we do. Uh, he kind of was able to cover up for a horrible finisher because of the nature of ECW, because of the brawling and and all the extreme chances they took and the crazy matches they had and stuff. He didn't have to win with this finisher. So uh, he was able to achieve great success over there. But yeah, had, had he uh, started the gimmick in WCW or WWF, uh, his career probably would have went in a, in a much different direction uh, than it did. So, um, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be on the big stage, uh, you need a big time finisher. Uh, if you're not going to have the aid of kendo sticks and chairs and and 
frying pans and, and other stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to our, uh, our next honorable mention. It would have been number 14. Um, two points again. Uh, actually, this is a, a tie. It's a tie because um, the both of these picks were on just one of our lists uh, each. Um, with two points, this was number nine on my list. Um, let's see here. Let's, yeah. Yeah. Um, the first pick is Ivan Putski's Polish Hammer. <laughs> that is... Uh, that and it's tied with one from Bob's list, Monty Brown's pounce. Um, let's see here. I'll talk about the Polish hammer first. The Polish hammer, it's what Ivan Putski does is he whips a guy into the ropes, and once he comes back out, he hits him with the double axe hand to the chest. That's it, you know. And I, I saw Ivan Putski do the uh. <laughs> the um the Polish hammer in a match and I'm like you know what rip from no holds barred yes. stole his finishing move from fucking Ivan Putski that just it deserves a mention just just from that you know it's it's a running double axe handle to the chest that's all it is Ivan Putski I know he was very over especially with the uh the Polish crowd at Madison Square Garden. He was one of uh, Vince McMahon Sr.'s menagerie of ethnic wrestlers to get to the ethnic neighborhoods of, of New York City. But, um, yeah, Ivan Putski just had a shitty finisher. <laughs> um, and it was tied with uh, Monty Brown's Pounce, which was on Bob's list. You want to talk about the Pounce, Bob? Yeah, Monty Brown was a former football player. And uh, he came over, made it big in TNA. I know he was over in WWE for a bit, and they used him in their uh, their version of ECW. But Monty Brown was more known for Impact and um, the TNA version of it. And his finisher was the pounce, where he would throw you into the ropes. And while you were running into the ropes, he would run to the opposite rope. And he would come at you and kind of give you like a shoulder block to your hip. Um, and then when you would fall to the ground, he would pin you and that was it. Uh, he wouldn't tackle you. Uh, he, it was a shoulder block to your hip or like the side of your ribs. And that was the devastating pounce. Um, Keith Lee has like a more dramatic, uh, advanced, amazing version of it where, you know, he hits you from the side and he sends you flying about 10 yards. Uh, Monty Brown, yeah, would not put that much emphasis into it. Like I said, it was just like a shoulder block to your hip. It was just very bad. And he was another one. The guy had an amazing physique. He, he just looked fantastic. And just to have that as your finisher, just like, really? That's it? Um, I was very tempted to put Ivan Putski on there. And, and one of the reasons why is because I had moves like the pounce on there. But <laughs> it, uh, yeah. it, it, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But, yeah, this one stood out to me as a shitty finisher for for a bigger talented wrestler like Monty Brown. Yeah. All right. And let's get to our last honorable mention. It would have been number 15 on our list. If we went that far, it was on both the honorable mentions lists of me and Adam. We're talking about Shane Douglas's Pittsburgh plunge, which is 
all it is is just a belly to back soup or belly to belly suplex. That's it. It's a belly to belly suplex. I mean, for a guy the caliber of Shane Douglas, you know, ECW champ, been in wrestling forever, you know, a belly to belly suplex is your finisher. It just, it's so, I don't know. It just seems like so underwhelming. Yeah. You know, especially for a guy, you know, a championship caliber wrestler like that. Adam, you had him in your honorable mentions. What do you feel the same way or Yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing I just talked about with the Sandman. Um uh, obviously uh Shane Douglas had more uh success in the uh, other two federations uh uh when he when he was there i mean he had this most success in ecw obviously he was the franchise i mean he had just about every other component uh that's why he was the franchise he won the title he cut great promos he always he was almost exclusively a heel in his run in ecw the fans hated him uh you know it was i guess the the only thing i can say uh in defense of it is because he was kind of labeled as an old school wrestler and he had been to the, to the big two, um, you know, I guess kind of part of why, you know, he, he was a little more traditional looking than some of the other ECW wrestlers. So maybe it made sense from that standpoint, but again, a belly to belly suplex is just, you know, uh, uh, anyone who, who does those kinds of maneuvers, uh, does a belly to belly suplex? It's a basic wrestling maneuver. It's it's like a bear hug or, or something or a body slam. It's just it's just it's underwhelming is is the right word. It's just the uh, okay, you know, this guy talks good game and and he's got a good look and 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 people hate him and and he's and he's, a, and he's a pretty good worker. He just he just doesn't have that finisher and it makes me wonder if that's why. Uh, obviously, uh, politics aside. In the uh, obviously he had his, his well-known issues with the click in WWF, for instance. Uh, maybe that's why he never got over that mountain, because uh, you know it was just uh, that that was the missing ingredient, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. I know that uh, he did have a different finisher. I think when he was in WCW towards the end, there I think he had like a jawbreaker move, which was kind of like an inverted uh, stunner that he would kind of do to people, but. Even that was kind of an underwhelming finisher for him. Oh, too, I thought he so. just hit people with bottles of Viagra. Yeah, that too. That too. That was <laughs> bro. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So those are our honorable mentions there. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's get to our top pick. Before we get to our top pick, let's run down 10 through 2, our top 10 so far that we've named. Number 10. We have the bear hug, whether it's Bruno San Martino's or Hillbilly Jim's, doesn't matter. The bear hug is in number 10. And number nine, it's a tie between John Cena's lightning fists and the Ultimate Warrior's Ultimate Warrior Splash. At number eight, we have Bastion Booger's Trip to the Bat Cave and the Big Show's WMD. At number seven, another tie. We have the People's Elbow from The Rock tied with The Choke from Nails. At number six, all by itself, you have the -the over-the-top rope throw from The Berserker. 
At number five, you have The Heart Punch for Crush. At number four, you have Santino Morella's Cobra. At number three, The Brain Chop from The Great Kali. And at number two, the, the Ronnie Garvin Garvin Stomps. That's at number two. So, without further ado, let's unveil what we at the Enhancement Talent deemed to be the worst finishing move of all time. It was a pretty healthy choice at this point. Five points ahead of its nearest competitor, the Garvin Stomps. It was number one on my list, number one on Bob's list. Number six on Adams with 25 points. The worst finisher of all time, according to us, is the fucking worm (laughs) from Scotty Too Hotty. That is the worst finisher of all time. Oh, man. I've, I've made my thoughts known on the worm before. I fucking hate that. I, I said it when we did our least favorite wrestlers of all time because Scotty Tuhati was number one on my fucking list then. I've I've said my piece about the worm. So, Bob, <laughs> unload on the worm. Oh, the worm. Scotty Tuhati was one of Adam's favorite wrestlers, too. Absolutely. Um, he liked dancing and wrestling. <laughs> and um, he, he would set up the worm. Um by using the bulldog, the uh, he, he would give the bulldog, and it wasn't even a version of the bulldog. He would grab the back of your head and just slam it to the ground. Yeah, no headlock involved. No headlock involved. He would just grab it and slam it. But then he would stand up, kind of like Hulk Hogan hulking up, and start looking at the crowd. And then he'd put his hands out to the side. And then all of a sudden, when the crowd getting crazy, he would start running in place. And then that would make him hop from one side of the ring to the other while the crowd would spell out the worm, the W-O-R-M, and then he would get to the opposite side of the ring, face his opponent, do the worm dance move where he would just fall and nip himself up and fall and again. And and then finally he'd be right at the, the opponent and he would swing his arms back and forth before nailing you with a devastating um, fist drop. <laughs> to your forehead, to your shoulder, wherever the hell you decided to land it. And that was the move that would put them over. Um, again, tag champ. Um, was it light heavyweight champ? Uh, I know you beat Christian, but I forgot what you said. Yeah, 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 he was. He was. Yeah. Again, and it's just like, you guys lost to this move. Um, yeah, it, it was a bad move. Uh, again, it was more generated for the kids because the kids loved it. Um, one of the first shows I ever took my son to, he was all excited to see the move. No one else really popped when it happened, but, um, yeah, it is a bad move. Uh, that was one of the moves that I talked about at the very beginning. Like it takes like 20 seconds just to set up because he's hopping across, like no opponent's just going to stay there knocked out from a half-ass bulldog. Um, and just lay there. And then now you got to stay there for him to do the theatrics of everything. And the, like the swinging of the arms back and forth. And it's just like, I don't know, the believability of it is just not there. So to me, I had to put it at my number one just because I thought it was a shit ass move. Yeah, it is. Adam, it was number six on your list. I mean, what do you got to say about it? Uh, I had it obviously, uh, lower, uh, than you guys. Um, 
the only reason I guess it wasn't as high as some of the others is because it did take Scotty some effort to do it in terms of the dance move and, and all that, where it wasn't just a punch or a stomp or a choke. But having said that, I fucking hate this move more than life itself. Also, um, the face he made before, uh, oh my, if I ever had the chance back in the day, I would have just slapped, that look off his face when when he looks at the crowd. I just could not stand that. And, uh, and uh, Bob described it perfectly. Uh, I'm I'm having terrible flashbacks thinking about it. Uh, the, I just mentioned the bushwhacker battering ram. I guess I would have to apologize to them. Uh, I uh, I didn't ever dislike the bushwhackers. I suppose, but but the worst tag team move was in fact the worm. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, Scotty did it as a single too. Um, so it just—I uh, guess another reason why I didn't have it quite as quite as high as it could have been is because it was actually an over move, kind of like the people's elbow. But again, just you know, good good dance move, I suppose. Uh, you know, he had to work at that, I suppose. But yeah, it's a horseshit move for the fact. It's, it's mentioned the guy had to lay there 30 seconds to take the move and and the whole spelling it out and again it was just it was just not a reason I tune into wrestling again as, as Bob mentioned I'm a huge fan of, of dancing and wrestling together um, yeah and, and characters who you know have no toughness whatsoever so um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's a great choice. I, I, I think stomping on somebody over and over again is lamer, but, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I certainly, uh, fully support this as, is a number one move because it, uh, it's, it's, I, I probably dislike it more than the Garvin stomp. Just, uh, I think the Garvin stomps a lamer move. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would get. The worm honestly was like the first and I think the only really move that when it would when I you could sense it coming, I would get physically angry. I remember like, those days, yes. Yeah, I just I could I couldn't help it. I was just like, Oh god damn this again. But you know I just I just find it ironic that you know a lot of the people who have the problems with guys in like aew or ring of honor doing what they call the quote-unquote flippy shit you know like just wild moves you know in and out of the ring at least that takes athleticism i didn't see these guys having such a big problem when scotty too hotty was breaking out the worm every fucking week on raw so yeah, they could shut the fuck up because the worm sucks. What, um, what about the brain chop? <laughs> well, it was number three on our list, so how that much, sucks too. How much athleticism was in the stomp? The Garvin stomp? Mm. I, you need a little bit of cardio, I guess, to do the Garvin, Garvin stomp, maybe? You no, know? Moved your foot. <laughs> <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. All right That's right. ABAB start and, and, and yeah, I, I perform the Garvin stomp in the driveway when my kids see bugs. Yeah, and I don't consider myself to be an athletic uh, uh, superstar. I think you're right. I think you're right, though, Bob. If he would just called it the Konami Code, then it wouldn't have been on the list. Because absolutely, yeah. Oh uh, shit! 
All right. Well, there. That's it, guys. That's our that's our list for the uh, top ten worst finishing moves of all time. Um. Yeah. I very interesting list, and I I think that uh, our voting did well because the the moves that we mentioned are all very shittacular in their own t- own different ways. So yes. All right. Well, before we leave, folks, what we always do is we uh, give you a match of the week suggestion so you can watch a a cool match in the meantime, in between time, until we uh, get back together with you next week. Um, Let's see. Bob, I'm interested to see what you want to do as match of the week because I have a feeling we might have the same match. So I'll let you go first. What's your match of the week? I, I had a very, very similar feeling with you or Adam. So I, yeah. I did two just because, just because I have a, <laughs> um, the second one, I, the one I was going to use originally as my first choice was obviously from dynamite this past week. Um, Ray Phoenix, Kenny Omega, um, fantastic yeah. match, yeah. fantastic match. Um, that move he did off that Ray Phoenix does off the top rope. Uh, wow. Um, that's all I'm going to say it there. So I had a feeling someone else was going to reuse it. And a lot of times when I do my list, I always try and incorporate my number one into the match. But I couldn't think of a good Scotty Too Hottie match. I don't think those exist. So, no. so what I did was I was watching uh, earlier today while I was preparing uh, for the Bears game. And I was watching Hardcore Heaven 99, Jerry Lynn, Rob Van Dam, the rematch. Fantastic match you never seen it, check it out. The first one was amazing. This one was just as good. Uh, Hardcore Heaven 1999, Jerry Lynn RVD for the TV belt. Fantastic match. Check it out. Awesome. All right, Adam, how about yours? I kind of had a similar feeling as all you also uh, on the the main event of Dynamite. So uh, I tied this week's in with, uh, since it's Royal Rumble time, um, I, th- I thought of, uh, not, not the rumble match itself, but like, what are some great matches, uh, prior to the rumble? And I came up with, uh, one of the wrestlers that, uh, was on Tony's list, but this was the peak of him, uh, in my opinion, uh, a very heel rock versus, uh, Mick Foley or mankind at the time, uh, for the WWF title. Um, it was a, I quit match. Um, and it was a match that was pretty violent pretty bloody uh and actually caused a lot of controversy backstage because uh Mick Foley was not entirely happy with uh, the Rock's conduct during the match um for those who've never seen it I'm not going to spoil it but uh you know uh if you like the ECW style if you like brawling if you like false count anywhere all over the arena and and stiff uh, chair shots I think uh I think you'll dig this match and this this uh, Mick Foley was already on the road to being a monstrously over uh, wrestler in the WWF. Uh, he was defending the title. He had just won it a couple weeks earlier in the infamous that'll put asses in the seats comment. Um, so it was a rematch for the WWF title. And uh, again, an I quit match. Uh, and it was uh, uh, the two of them had great chemistry together. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so I'd say, uh, Mick Foley versus The Rock, Royal Rumble 1999, I quit match would be my suggestion for this week. Yeah, it's a good pick. That's a really good pick. Whenever I whenever I hear about that, whenever I hear about that match or picture that match, I always picture, um, you know, beyond the mat. Yeah, of course. 
the the aftermath and beyond the mat when uh Foley's getting uh stitched up after that match. It's his wife and kids are there. Yeah, oh. exactly. Something else. I don't Definitely like something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, my match of the week, all, all, all three of us mentioned it. I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's it's Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix from AEW's uh, Dynamite this past week. Just a hellacious match. Awesome match. And it topped off at the end with a reunion of the Bullet Club. I mean, how, how you can't get better than that, man. You, you really can. You got Gallows and Anderson along with Kenny Omega at the end. And then the young bucks come in and they all do the, uh, the NWO, you know, hand gesture there and yeah. Signaling a reunion of the bullet club. Perfect way to cap to, you know, cap off what was an outstanding match. I also was going to mention, um, the rematch between Finn Balor and uh, Kyle O'Reilly, which happened on um, NXT this past week as well. That was a really good match, too. Not quite to the level of uh, Phoenix and Omega, but still a match we're checking out. So, yeah, those are our uh, matches of the week. Go check them out. You know, it was a good match when, when Phoenix does that move. And Jake the Snake Roberts, who's sitting front row, marks the hell out for the move. <laughs> like, Shit, yeah. Even Jericho called him out on that. Like, oh, my God, look at yeah. Roberts. Like, it was just, wow. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I was excited, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the show, guys. Thanks again for uh, to everybody who listened. Um, yeah. Drop us a line again. We have our email address out there for you guys to contact us. If you have any questions or comments, we will, you know, definitely bring them up on the air. Uh, That email address is enhancementtalent316 at gmail.com. Again, that's enhancementtalent316 at gmail.com. Just give us us a shout out and uh, you'll be in that very special way a part of the show we'll read your question on air yeah i'd be interested uh if anyone wanted to write in and let us know if there are any shitty finishing moves we missed exactly that's what this whole thing is about if there's anything we miss or anything that you want to add to the conversation feel free and we'll we will uh comment on it next week all right well that's it gentlemen uh did you have ju- just as much fun as i did going through this list yeah, we stomped. We stomped our way through. That's for sure. We we started. We stomped. We chopped. Stomped we... All the way up. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was it was fun. And again, there was a lot of times when I was just like, okay, um, does should this move be on here? Should this move not be on here? Um, yeah, there was a lot of them, but I think we did a really good job with it. Yeah, our list is definitive. Anybody anybody else's moves list pales in comparison to ours so that's right all right well thanks again for listening everybody for the warsaw blonde himself adam kulavik and for the other half of the fabulous lopez cousins dr bob lopez i'm tony lopez thanks again for listening and we will check you again next week on the enhancement talent goodbye
Good night. Good night.